just feel it. Murder rate to escalate the same as the drug dealing. Bullets that I penetrate, riding on stolen plates. Did I mention my city was known for its murder rate? Live right by the capital, gangsta get the clapping, folks. High off gun smoke, my hood full of cutthroats. Going down the hill like my city was made slow. Gunshots every day, we don't even look. Eating dinner out the same kitchen, dope is cooked. I had an appetite for money, I'm hungry and can't play. It's a golden state heavyweight, riding no platinum plate, state to state, crushing gray. Something like a winery, labels try signing me. I'm something like the dynasty, mastered the arts, kept the skill in my rhymery. Sign with Chase Paper, now the players stay eyeing me. Thing on my way, to turn a grown man side of me. Root boy, come test, I dare you one try with me. Got a full clip, I can empty off the side of him. Fake rappers try to invade us on my ciphering. All together, passing this money just like a Praise the Lord, man. Man, we are excited for, to have you here today for our Mudville podcast. Come on, somebody. And man, just real quick, you know, if you know anybody that could relate to this testimony, if you can think about right now about any family member, anybody you might know, we want you to tag them. We want you to tag them, amen. We want you to be able to connect them, you know. And also, there's going to be a prayer line available. We're going to be having a prayer line available for you to click, for you to log in. You know, we have a prayer team behind this that's going to be answering phone calls so that you guys will be able to receive salvation. Or maybe if you want us to connect with somebody in your family or if you want us to connect with somebody, you know, uh, you know, as far as text messages, you know, prayer, we want you to call that number that you're going to see right now. Amen. But right before I start, you know, uh, before we introduce our guest, you know, I do want to say that, you know, this man of God, it's somebody that I look from afar. You know, I've been watching him. I've been seeing how he moves, amen. And, you know, it's a it's a great encouragement to me because he reminds me one of those modern-day evangelists, amen, that it's not about the lights, it's not about the stages, it's not about the glamour, amen, but it's all about the streets, amen. You know, I've seen him going to different cities, just, just driving all the way to a different city, Ohio, going so far just to... Just to go into a street corner, whether it's just him and just four people, it just plant the, the Jesus Christ flag, amen, the Christian flag, and just preach the gospel, amen. It is such an encouragement, amen, because that reminds us how souls are so important to the kingdom of God. And just recently, he just came back from Romania, and guess what? You know, he didn't went to a stage of thousands and thousands, but the first thing he did before he hit the pulpit of that minister that invited him, he hit the streets. Mm -hmm. And he was right there in the street corner, say, man. I seen him and I was like, oh, man, that's what it's all about, amen. <laughs> so last but not least, amen, let, let us introduce uh, brother evangelist Eli Contreras, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. Thank amen. you for having me. Yes, yes. It's, it's great having you. I was amen. waiting. I was waiting for today. <laughs> amen. So, man, maybe, maybe before we start, maybe you could just, um, you know, share with us uh, a little bit of your upbringing. Just okay. kind of like where were you born? Okay. You know, what city you were born, yeah. you know. You, so I was born 50 years ago in a little town called Oakley, California, mm. and uh, just raised in the, uh, you know, the Bay Area. San Francisco, all throughout the different areas, and spent a lot of time in Antioch. And um, I just recently moved to Modesto two years ago from Antioch, California. Mm. So here I am. I don't know what I'm doing in Modesto, California, but while I'm here, I might as well preach the gospel. Oh wow! Come on now, wow, that's a uh, 50 years, huh? 50 years old. Okay, yeah. and man, look how you and you and you're still pushing. 
You got the you, you got you got more energy than some you know young people I know. You, you know, know I, people I, my age. I, I have a uh, I have a father in in Christ. You know, and he says to me, he says, Eli, he's like, if we're ever outreaching on the street and I die, he said, just kick me to the side and keep doing what's important. Preach the gospel. Wow. And that's the mentality that we have to have. What's important? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm, that's amazing. Got to keep pushing. That's right. It's got to keep pushing, man. Praise the Lord. How about parents? Yeah, well, yeah. my father just passed away about two months ago. Mm. I live uh, in Modesto with my mother and my sister. And so we stayed connected together. Oh, okay. each other out, yeah. Any siblings that you might have? I don't have no kids, and um, you'll find out why in a minute. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I live with my sister, and she has five kids, six kids, but five of them still at the house. And so those are kind of the kids. Those are the, you know, I look at, like, to them, like kids, you know, I read the Bible to them. I'm raising them up. I tell them when I die, they're going to continue in the gospel. One of them, the evangelist, one of them, the preacher, Ooh, one of them, the, on. the guy that sets everything up. And, and the daughter, she'll be the teacher. Oh, and so come I'm raising on, them up, you know, on the platform so that when I pass, they'll take over. Raising up an army, yeah. huh? Passing. Within my own house. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that, um, that it says that there was like a new bloodline created, mm, you know. Absolutely. And that's encourage that's encouraging to me only because um, I'm uh, I'm like the f uh, first gen right. second generation of my family, okay. but the first one was my grandmother. Okay. And the only thing she prayed about it was uh, before she died, yeah. she asked God, um, God, I want a, a new bloodline in my mm. family of ministers. Wow. Amen. So I I, Amen. I feel that, there brother. You like I feel that. Go. I feel that. Wow, that's amazing. So um. How about uh, a school? Maybe uh, what schools you uh, go to? You know, I went to um, I went to school in Nights in Oakley, California, and mm -hmm. then uh, Brentwood. I got kicked out of school when I was in tenth grade mm. on purpose. I went to a continuation school, but you know it wasn't really about education. I was just lost, mm. you know, just trying to you know get through the process. And but so I never graduated from high school. I did graduate from high school actually when I was forty years old. I went back to school, got my high school diploma. Mm. And so it's better late than never, yeah, huh? Better late than never. That's yeah, right. Got that's it. right. <laughs> Wow. So did you always live in Oakley? Like Yeah, Oakley. well, I lived in Oakley, Antioch, and then uh, so, sometimes I lived in Stockton. It just depends. You know, mm. life took me all to different places and depending on what I was doing. Mm. And so I just been throughout this whole area. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then, um, man, when, um, when I was talking to you uh -huh. and uh, when we connected, I asked you, man, like, uh, what are some things, you know, kind of that, that you battle with or some things that, you know, that had to do with your testimony? Mm -hmm. And you know, and you did mention to me that one of the things it was that you know you were a drug addict. Mm -hmm. You know, so maybe we could kind of just walk us through uh, when did the drug addiction started, okay. and um, and uh, how were you introduced to drugs, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, you know, like, and you know what what drugs did you try right. before Christ? So you know, gosh, I was I started using drugs when I was 13 years old, mm -hmm. cocaine, methamphetamine when I was 14 years old. Um, and, you know, from there, just continued on. I've done heroin, angel dust, you know, PCP. I was the, one of those people you call a garbage can. Mm. Did whatever they put in front of me. Wow. And, uh, but, you know, I, I, the drug addiction, you know, like somebody told me one time, they said, you know, Eli, your problem is you're a drug addict. I said, my problem is not that I'm a drug addict. My problem is I'm broken. I'm broken, and, and the drug addiction numbs the pain. And, and so that's kind of where the, the drug addiction came from. It wasn't that I wanted to be a drug addict. I was just broken. I was in pain. I was confused. I was lost. And I was looking for a way out. Wow. And I didn't know Jesus. And so that's where the drug addiction came from. Wow. 13 years old, 13 huh? 13 years old. Yeah, a man uh, pulled over, picked up my sister, and we got in the car with her, and he gave us cocaine for the first time. About, you know, a couple months later, uh, some, I had some friends. I used to hang out with older people, mm -hmm. and uh, they gave us some crank for the first time. We did it and got high and just did it from then on. 
became a way of life. Wow. Man, since 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 that beginning, um, God had a plan yeah. for your life, but also the devil had yeah, a plan for your absolutely. life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, that's 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 crazy, man. Uh it's almost like since that beginning that the devil just uh trying to distort right. you know you know because at three years old you know i remember i came from a, a dysfunctional home mm. very dysfunctional home my father worked he had a job we always had a house but he was a, an alcoholic and um he was a child molester mm. and so i was one of his victims you know i remember being three years old and he carried me into a bush took off all of his clothes and he began to do things to me that a man should never do to another man certainly a father should never do to his own son and at three years old, you don't know what sex is. You don't know what homosexuality is. All I knew that three years old was this is my father. I loved him and I needed his embrace. I needed to hear the word son. I wanted him to hold me and I, I wanted to make him proud. Mm. And at three years old in that bush, when he took off his clothes and he began to do things to me sexually, um, a spirit of perversion entered into me at three years old. Wow. At three years old. And why do I say that? Because at three years old, I no longer looked at my father the same way. I undressed him with my eyes. I started looking at other men undressed, you know, on TV, TV Guide and magazines. I started looking at, at every man I would look at, I would, I would undress them in my mind. And, um, you know, at five years old, I was sexually attracted to my own dad, you mm -hmm. know, and I learned how to initiate sexual acts with my dad in the bed while my mom was asleep next to us. Wow. And, um, and because that was the only way that I knew to, uh, you know, to relate to him. And mm -hmm. so, you know, at, and then I remember just being a little kid, you know, and started to do to the neighbor kids what they were doing to me. You know, and at about five years old, my dad, the relationship was over. The relationship was completely over. I became invisible to my dad. But another man came into my life about six, seven years old. He began to rape me, use me as a female. And um, again, I didn't know what rape was. I didn't know what sex was. I didn't know what homosexuality was, but I wanted to be loved. Mm. See, that was the, 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 the thing was, that as a little boy, I needed to be loved. We all need to be loved. And, you know, and so when, when, when this man would come, I would welcome the things that he was doing. Like, I waited for him to come because I knew that I was going to be embraced. I knew mm. somebody wanted me. Wow. And so that's kind of where the drug addiction started, the confusion started. And um, three years old, spirit of perversion came into me. Wow. Wow, man, that's heavy. That's some heavy stuff, man, because it's almost like before, just kind of how you said before, there was a spirit of drug addiction. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the spirit of perversion was planted. Yeah. Yeah, the know. perversion. And, and that's kind of where it started. And then at three years old, you know, as a little boy, you know, wanting a father, you know, you start looking towards other men. Mm. You know, well, that's what I did. You know, when mm -hmm. I started, I started to, you know, looking for other men, you know, and 13 years old, 14, 15 years old, I was in San Francisco hanging out with homosexual prostitutes. My best friend was a drag queen way back in the day before they had the wigs and all that stuff that mm. they have now. It was old school, you know what I mean? And they would be out there just with a skirt and wigs and we'd be on Polk Street. Mm. And um, I remember watching these young boys, you know, prostituting their bodies to, to, to random men that would stop. And I would look at that from the, from the side, you know, from the back and, and see them getting in and out of cars. And, and the, the little boy inside me that, that needed to be loved, mm -hmm. I wanted to be a prostitute. Mm. I wanted to put myself in that corner because I wanted somebody to love me. Wow. I wanted somebody. That's how bad it was, that, that desire, that, that need for love in me was. And, 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 but at 15 years old, I wasn't willing to admit that I was a homosexual. I wasn't willing to admit that I was attracted to men because growing up in a Hispanic family, you know, you're told as a little kid, if you're mm. gay, that God's going to hate you and you're going to burn in hell forever. So that's mm. all I knew about God. That's all I knew about God is that, is that he hated me and that I was going to burn in hell forever. And, and I couldn't change myself. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't just turn off the, the homosexual button and say, I'm not attracted to men, I'm attracted to women now. It wasn't like that. You know, some people say it's a choice. It wasn't a choice. Mm. I didn't want, I, that would not have been a choice for me. 
And um, so I knew that at 15 years old, that God hated me. You know, and it all started from that seed that when I was a little kid, if you're a homosexual, God's gonna hate you. And, and not really knowing God, you know. And um, never went to church, didn't have a Bible, didn't know what Christianity was, didn't know the difference between God and Jesus, didn't know the Holy Spirit existed. None of those things, it was all unfamiliar to me. And, um, but I knew that there was a God. Mm -hmm. I knew there was a God. Didn't have to go to church, didn't have to see nothing on TV, didn't have to have a Bible. Something inside me as a little boy, I looked in the sky one day, coming out the house, and I saw the sky and I saw creation and I said, I know that there's a God. I know there's a God, Mm. but the problem was this God hates me. This God hates me. And so at 15 years old, I was already angry at God. You know, watching these young boys prostitute, and, and and I went to a small school, you know, outside about forty-five minutes outside of San Francisco, mm-hmm. Cowboys Jocks. This is back in the eighties, mm. and um, and so how do you hide this? How do you hide the homosexuality? You know what I mean? And how do you hide being feminine? And so what I did was I put on a disguise, started to dress like a punk rocker, I had a big old twelve-inch mohawk, you know, safety pins all over my eyes. I had my throat pierced with safety pins, all black, black makeup, and um, I would go to school and I would get beat up. You know, I get jumped by fifteen guys, the, the whole football team would spit on me, throw garbage, drag me, pull my hair, you know, all this different stuff. And and even as I was getting beat up, humiliated, embarrassed, I was like, it's better to be beat up because I look strange than to, to, for, the, for them to beat me because they know I'm a homosexual. Wow. Because I didn't want to admit to me, to, mm-hmm. I didn't want to admit that's yeah, what I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at 16 years old, we're here, in, we're in San Francisco, 15 years old, and, and I'm watching these young boys prostitute and, and, and dying of AIDS mm-hmm. and getting beat to death. You know, get picked up by a guy, and the guy's kind of out of his mind, and he beats the guy to death. And, and, and but even though seeing all that and knowing that all those were consequences, none of that mattered. I still wanted to get in a car. Mm. I still wanted to be loved. And so I knew that there was a God, but I was angry at God. Mm-hmm. And so, 16 years old, I gave my soul to the devil. And, and I remember that day that I gave my soul to the devil. Something shifted. Something changed. 16 years old. That same year, my brother was murdered. He was shot four times in his face, left in the field to decompose. Wow. I remember that when the cops came to the house to tell us, you know, I was watching my mom have a conversation. And I remember hearing them tell her that, that her son, they found her son's body. He didn't have a face. He was shot four times and he was left in the field to decompose. And they were only able to identify him because they had a picture of my sister in his wallet. Mm. And so they, they tracked the, the picture of my sister to the house. And, and I remember sitting at the table and hearing uh, the, the, them say to my mom that my, her son had been murdered. And I heard her scream. I heard her scream and I watched her hit the floor. I watched her hit the floor and she began to crawl to the front door screaming for her son that was never gonna come home. I'll never forget it. Wow. I'll never forget it. And I sat at the table and my heart was hard and I was cold and I was empty. I hated my brother. I hated my brother. My brother was violent. My brother was angry. He was stronger. He was. Uh, he would always beat me. Every time we were in the same room, he would beat me and just kick me to the ground. And and every time he would beat me, I would look up at him and I would tell him, "I hate you. I hate you. I wish somebody would kill you." Wow. And one day somebody did. One day somebody did kill him. And I didn't feel anything. Mm. I was completely empty. I, I I had nothing. Not even watching my mom screaming, breaking on the floor. I felt nothing. I was just sat there, watched. And um. And then I started to hear voices. You know, I started to. You know, the darkness, the, the, I started, I would hear voices. I never felt alone. I felt like, you know, something bad was always going to happen. And, and I remember getting beat up by all the kids on the bus and, and just, you know, they were, I was on the aisle and they were just taking turns, ripping my hair, you know, tearing my clothes off and calling me names and so humiliated, so embarrassed. And I wanted to cry, but I wouldn't. I held it in and even got a glimpse at the, the bus driver. And she was looking in the mirror and she's, I remember all the details and she mm. looked in the mirror and, 
and she didn't even stop the bus. She didn't say wow. nothing. She just, it was like everybody was. It was me against the world. And, and I remember. Uh, I remember finally somebody pulled me up and, and and sat on my seat. And and I got off the bus when when we got to the bus stop. And I remember when my 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 foot hit the floor, the tears just started coming down. Mm. The broke. I, I and the tears, the flood of tears kept falling down my face. And I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed. I was humiliated. I was broken. I was hurt. And, and I remember just walking home. And I heard a voice that says, "Kill your parents." Kill your parents. Somebody has to pay for, for what happened to you. And so I went home and I started to battle this thing in my mind. I'm hearing all this stuff. Just, you know, it was, started to get tormented by demons, by spirits, by voices. Mm. And, um, and so finally I tell my mom, I said, I think the devil wants me to kill you. I mean, this is where my mind was at at the time. Mm. I think the devil wants me to kill you. He wants me to kill my dad too. And so that was the last night that I was allowed to sleep in the house. You know, I had to sleep outside. I could be in the daytime, but at night I had to sleep outside. And we had a little broken, beat up shed in the, in the backyard. I was sleeping there. And, um, I remember spray painting the windows black. I put a board over the window, nailed it in. And um, I remember taking off the doorknob and I would wrap a, a chain. I made a hole in the one. I would wrap a chain around the beam and put it through the door hole. And I would padlock myself in that room every night. I would put nails all the way through the door every night because at night the demons were going to come. They were going to torment me. Wow. And I was in fear, gripped in fear. And I remember nailing the door shut one day and I hear a voice. And, and, and sometimes as I was nailing the door sh shut, the door would vibrate. Mm. It was vibrating. And I could hear somebody scratching the roof, like trying to just like, you know, wear it down to make a hole in it. A torment in my mind. Mm. And, and so I remember as I was nailing the door shut, I hear a voice that says, none of this is going to work. Mm. None of this is going to work. It says, we don't live out there. We live inside you. You invited us in. We're not leaving. Wow. And that's when I knew I was trapped. I knew that this thing was way bigger than me. It was way beyond me. And... And so at 18 years old, I tried to commit suicide for the first time, ended up in a mental institute. Um, and I remember just getting to the doctors, asking a bunch of questions like, why do you want to end your life? And I really had no answers. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really couldn't make sense. It was just so much chaos, you mm -hmm. know, so much. And I didn't know where to start. And so I said nothing, went in, you know, and came out the same way. And, uh, but I remember at 19 years old, uh, coming out of the mental institute, when I was 18, I think I turned 19, then I came out. Um, at that time in my life, I was involved with people involved in organized crime. Mm. And they were selling drugs in 12 states, different countries, and making millions of dollars. And with that kind of influence in my life, I was able to build my own drug kingdom. And so while they were buying cars, houses, you know, all just living that whole life, and I was sticking needles in my arm, trying to numb the pain. Wow. And, um, you know, I started to, I started to, I had at one little point in my life, I had more money than I could count, drugs, cars, I had diamonds, gold, everything a man could want, 12 of them but completely empty. Mm. You know, women to prostitute, if I was attracted to a man, I could give him everything he could never give himself, but at a price. Mm. But it was never enough needles, it was never enough money, it was never enough drugs, never enough men. There was always this emptiness, mm. this emptiness inside. Mm. And, there it is. And, and I remember just, you know, just living that life, and I thought if I sleep with enough men, I could find love. If I shoot up enough drugs, I can numb this pain. And, and just like, I was willing to die with that needle. I was willing to, it, I didn't care where it took me, how dark it took me. But let me go back, when I was, I remember when I was 19 years old, Mm -hmm. I was in Vallejo, uh, California, in a basement, shooting up for the first time. And I remember when I shot up, I felt the, 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 uh, I felt the, the liquid go through my veins and, and through my body. Then, boom, it hit my brain. And when it hit my brain, like, I started coughing. I lost my breath. And I fell back into a chair that was in the basement. And I remember when I fell in that chair, it felt like I felt I, I was sitting on somebody's lap. And when I looked, it was all this was going in slow motion. When I looked to see who am I sitting on? I looked like this and it was a devil. He was looking right at me and we were face to face. I was looking up at him. He was looking, but the wow. pain was gone. Mm -hmm. The hurt was gone. I was completely numb. And I looked at him in his face. I said, this is where I want to die right here in your arms. 
and, and, and from that day forward, I, I just started shooting drugs, and I thought I'm just gonna shoot up drugs until I die. Wow. And, uh, just living that life, selling drugs, shooting drugs, you know, like I said, having everything a man could want, but, but being completely empty, mm -hmm. nothing was enough. And um, I started to go crazier. I started to lose my mind. Every day I was, my mind was slipping, started hearing more voices, started, you know, I was uh, paranoid. I always thought things were, something was gonna happen. And um, when the drug dealers saw my condition, you know, usually when you're in that kind of um, lifestyle, they will kill you. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you know too many people, yeah, you've yeah. seen too many no, things, and now sure. you lost your mind, now you're a drug addict. First, it was, I was a drug addict, would have been bad enough. Because what they say, oh, all the cops got to do is wave a bag in front of him, he's going to start talking. Kill him. You know what I mean? And, oh, now this man lost his mind, he's out there screaming and talking to himself. What's he going to mm. say? You know, what are the cops going to hear? Kill him. You know, for whatever reason, I didn't know at the time, but the Lord spared my life. Mm. And they all just evacuated. They were all gone. And I was left on the street. So I went from having everything a man could want and more mm -hmm. to the very next day, walking up and down the streets, demon-possessed and mm. drug-addicted, looking for a next hit, looking for a needle, looking for a man. But everything was gone. Wow. Lost my mind to the point where I started here. Uh, I started. Uh, th I thought bugs were eating me from the inside out. I could mm. feel my body moving inside. Mm. I could feel my neck move. My I could feel my skull moving. I, I thought they were eating my brain. I thought they were mm. eating my flesh from the inside. And I was sitting on the side of the road with glass and razor blades, thinking, how can I get these bugs out of me? Mm -hmm. That was my reality. You know, I, I was in another reality. I was in another place. And and um, urine and feces all over myself. You know, I started ripping out my hair, pulling out my teeth. All my teeth are fake. I take them out every night started ripping out my teeth with my fingers mm. ripping out my hair pulling the demon says take off all the skin off your head i had a mohawk for 18 years and so mm -hmm. uh, all this was bald and he says take off all the skin off your head and your face and so i would sit on the side of the road with glass and whatever uh, things i could find sharp and pick off my skin and blood covering up pouring down my face and mm. sitting on the side of the road and and, and when they people would drive by me or walk past me, what did they see? They saw that man legion mm. in the book of Mark. Right, right, right. The book of Mark, chapter five, verse one through 20. They saw this demon possessed man, this creature, this thing, this monster. That's what they saw when they looked at me. But what they didn't see was a little boy that was raped and abused and rejected. Mm. And that little boy was afraid and that little boy needed to be loved. Mm. But that's not what they saw. Yeah, man, you know, it's heavy you say that because even a lot of times, you know, in our communities, man, and even when we walk our streets, you know, mm -hmm. we see those type of people, you know, and sometimes even as Christians, we can even be a little judgmental right. and be like, man, look at that crazy person. Yeah. Or, you know, or, or even, you know, when they're with their kids, yeah. you know, like, no, mijo, you know, right. it's just locals, yeah. you know, like, oh, like, yeah. oh, no, don't talk to them. Yeah. But it's like, but all they see is the, the is the, is the outward. Yeah. All they see is the torment. Right. All they see, you the know, is, is the result. But if they were only to be to be able yeah. to get out of that car, right. kind of like how you did earlier, yeah. get out of get out of the car, walk to them, right. you know, and just ask them, yeah. like, you know, what's your story mm -hmm. like? Yeah, you know, who were you at ten years old? Absolutely. Who were you at fifteen years old? Who were you right. be before this? You were somebody's daughter. Right. You were somebody's son. Yeah. And then they'll and then you know they'll be able to even have a deeper love for them. Right. And I think a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of times, you know we can lose that sensitivity mm -hmm. right. towards people yeah. you know but we, if we were only able to hear that yeah. story like your story right. you know our whole perspective yeah. would change about souls right and see it's funny you say that because you know even in the book of mark you know i, I quote that that story a lot you know legion mm -hmm. you know in verse uh chapter 5 verse 1 through 20 because you know it says that he was he was demon possessed he had a legion thousands of demons living inside that he was cutting himself with stones crying out in a loud voice living amongst the dead in the mm -hmm. tombs shackled and chained you know hand and foot and, and you know and so when we see this when we're reading about this man we're just we, we see this monster this creature this thing so you know i don't want to go to the cemetery that man's there 
you know, the kukui, the monster, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, whatever. Right, right, right. And, and, and but, but what the Lord began to reveal to me is that once upon a time, that man Legion was a little boy, that he slept at a, 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 in a bed, ate mm -hmm. at a table, played with other kids, had parents. But the Lord began to show me that it was a series of events that took place in his life to get mm -hmm. him to now we're being introduced to him as Legion, demon possessed in the mm -hmm. Gospels. And so when we look outside, we look at the prostitutes and we look at these guys wearing wigs and we look at these guys killing people, you know, just for all these different things. And we can form an opinion about what we're seeing without understanding the series of events that took there place in their life to get them to where they're at. There it is. No, you, you hit that right on yeah. the nail. It's true. It's very true. Man, it's like, so when you were three years old, Mm -hmm. The spirit of progression came Never into beginning. your life. Then, when you were um, 13, mm -hmm. that you tried yeah, drugs, drugs for the first time. At 16, 16 you gave your life to the devil, the devil. You know, and then from there, it just started trickling down. Yeah. You know, the devil, and you know what? I truly believe that the devil knew mm -hmm. also what you were called to do. So he was putting overtime mm -hmm. in your life yeah. since you were younger. Wow, that's, 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 uh, that's crazy because yeah. I truly believe, you know, I truly believe even if there's somebody out there right now, you know, uh, you know, and, uh, and they're watching, they can relate to these stories, you know, just know that God loves you, man. Mm. Just know that you might be that, li that, li that little girl, you might be that little boy, you might, you might have been that person, you know, and just know that Jesus loves you, that yeah. God loves you. He's a father to the fatherless, amen. He's a father to the fatherless and he has. A calling upon your life, Amen. Praise the Lord, Amen. Amen. Hey, what a what a what a powerful testimony, you know. It's been your journey, you know, and um, I truly, you know, like um, you know, this, you know, some sometimes to see people like us, mm -hmm. we have family members right. like that, you know, and it gives us hope, right. you know, people that um, they have family members who've been through those things, mm -hmm. you know, like. Uh, like there's people in my family that's you know probably struggle with that you know that have struggled with that mm -hmm. and looking at you gives me hope for amen. them amen amen wow so now let's talk about the good part amen come on now <laughs> you know we know it's halloween amen. you know but you know that devil's gonna get us stalked right. and slapped right. that's right. right come on now that's right okay so so now how were you introduced to the gospel like who gave you the who evangelized to uh -huh. you you know you know we know you're an right. evangelist but who decided to go that extra mile right. to well, you? You see, there was there was a woman. There was a lot of suicide attempts, drug over people trying to kill me, all this death all over the place. And and um, you know, before I could, I have to explain where I was at. You know, I, I was like, um, you know, I I felt like you know, I was angry at God. Mm -hmm. I believed in God. You know, and, and and I mean, there was many nights where I laid on the freeway, looking at the sky, pleading with God. I said, God, I know that you don't love me but kill me and put me out of my misery. You know, having these conversations with God, you know, I knew that he existed. I knew that he was there and, and I can hear God laughing at my torment. Like I could hear laughter coming from the sky and he was laughing. I thought it was God laughing at my torment. Mm. And, um, and so I was angry at God. I became so angry at God that I wanted to see Jesus burning on the cross. Like I wanted to see God's heart break. I was, I, I became an evil person, a heartless person. And, um, and so the suicide attempts and drug overdoses and people trying, I was looking for a way out. I even told the devil, I said, Satan, if you have the power to take my life, I'll spend eternity in hell with you. Just take me out of this hell that I'm living in. And when I say that, I wasn't saying that like, yeah, there's going to be a party in hell. All the homeboys are going to be there. I knew that that's not what hell was going to be at because I died before an overdoses and I seen hell. Mm. I've seen rivers of fire and I've seen torment, complete darkness and the fear 
and the hopelessness look on people's face as they were burning but not dying. Mm. I've seen these things in overdoses, and and so I knew that hell wasn't going to be a party place. And and but but all I could see was like I just need to get out of this hell that I'm living in because mm. I'm in a hell right now. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would make covenants with the devil all the time, and and so that's kind of where I was at suicide attempts and mm-hmm. and just in pain and wanted that whole thing to end. And I was walking down the street one day. And the demon was always there walking with me. There was always multiple demons, just voices, 20, 30 voices, demons just calling, just, and that's why I was screaming all the time. People that weren't even there, just in my own little world. Mm. And, but there was a voice and he says, if you want all this pain to end, all you gotta do is walk in front of that next diesel that goes by. He said, it's gonna hurt for a second and then it'll all be over, you can rest. Mm. Keyword rest, I was tired, I was exhausted, wow. 32 years old. And so um, I'm walking down the street in Oakley, California, right next to Antioch, and, and he's like, there comes a diesel, just run, just run, don't think, just run. And so I'm getting closer and closer and closer, and as I'm walking through the freeway, I see this car drive past me. And usually when I saw a car drive past me and they put the, the brakes on, I knew that they were gonna either try to beat me up, throw things at me, call me names, and, and I remember seeing this car, their lights, uh, the brake lights, and it made a U-turn. And I was, sat there, I stood on the side of the road, and it, it was this car pulled up next to me, and it was this lady with her eight-year-old daughter in the passenger seat, and she just mm. looked at me and she said, Sarah, I just wanted to tell you God loves you more than you can ever imagine. Wow. And when she said that to me, my mind became like a Rolodex, and like all the time that I cried out to God, I believed in God. You know, even sleeping with men, even worshiping the devil, even sleeping with demons, just in all that, that darkness, I believed in God. I knew there was a God. I just believed that he hated me. Mm. And, 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 I, and at one point I was just like, I don't know how to convince God to love me. And that was the hardest part. If you're a man, I'm a man, you punch me, I'll punch you back. You know, we're both men. But how do you fight God? Mm. How do you fight God? And I was convinced that, that, that God didn't love me and I was broken and I felt like I was fighting a, 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 a battle, but I was defeated and I was already judged. And, and so that's kind of where I was at. And so this lady, God, I just wanted to tell you that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And I'm just thinking, here's this, here she goes. You know what right, I mean? Right, and, right. and I'm just like, I looked at her and said, lady, I said, God don't love me. And I was serious. I was not being like mean or I was like, lady, God don't love me. I'd rather be on fire. I was convinced that I was going to burn in hell. Mm. I was convinced. And, and she looked at me and she said, uh, she said, um, she said, you know, every, everywhere I go, I see you. She said, I told my husband, I think the Lord wants me to pray for you. But everywhere I go, I see you. She goes, when I go this way, that way. She goes, my husband told me if I ever stopped to talk to you, make sure that, that he's with me because you look crazy and, and you might attack me. She goes, but as I drove past you today, she said, the Lord spoke to me and said, if I didn't stop today, tomorrow will be too late. And when she said that to me, I thought, how did this lady know I was getting ready to commit suicide? Mm. How did she know I was in the process of ending my life? I'm walking right now to, the, to, to throw myself for the diesel. And this woman began to say things to me that only me, God, and the devil would know. Because mm. trust me, even though I was out there living that life, I still knew, I could still hear, you know, I, I, there was, I knew God. And, and, and she was saying things to me that only me, God, and the devil would mm. know. And, and she prayed for me, and she drove off. And I remember watching her car get, and I'm in, kind of in awe because I'm like, this is God. This, this is mm-hmm. not this lady no more. Mm-hmm. This is God. And I knew. That's right. And I remember watching her car get smaller, 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 and then she was gone. And then I turned to start walking. There was a demon, but you're still homeless. You're still a drug addict. Nobody loves you. Kill yourself. And that fast, the seed was stolen. Mm. But the next year, I continued living in the streets, selling drugs, sleeping with men, worshiping the devil, just living that life, just filthy, perverted, on the street, inside the road, waiting to die. And um, March 27, 2005, I was walking down the street, again in the Bay Area, and, and I heard a voice. I heard a voice and, and he said, turn away. And when he said, turn away, he showed me four visions. I knew that it was God. I knew it was the Lord. He showed me four visions. He showed me a vision that I was wearing all white. He showed me a vision that I was reunited with my family, that I was in my right mind. The fourth vision, he showed me that I was on my face, just mm-hmm. worshiping Jesus Christ. I saw my body thrown on my face and I saw his feet. That's all I saw was his feet. And he said, turn away. And when he said, turn away, I knew he was saying, everything you are, 
in everything you're doing, walk away from yourself. And and I remember I just I I broke. Mm. I broke and I started running up and down the highway, screaming, wailing, crying. Come I couldn't on. even control myself. And something was shifting. Something was happening inside. And I didn't even know what it was. Mm. And I remember that woman that prayed for me a year before. I knew what she did because throughout that year, her and her husband would come, feed me, pray for me, take me to their house. And, and, and I knew, so I knew where they lived. And I remember running to that lady's house and banging on her door. And she opened it. She looked at me and said, it's time. I mean, you have to remember, I mean, I'm homeless, dirty, mm -hmm. no bath, my mm -hmm. hair's all matted out, mm -hmm. smell, no teeth, you know, and, and, and she just looked at me and she said, it's time. And I'm, I don't even know what she's talking about. She puts me in her car, March 27, 2005, Sunday, she was getting ready to go to church. And um, not just any Sunday, it was the resurrection day. And that was the day that God called me uh, out, out of darkness. And, and I remember we're in the car, we're driving to Walnut Creek, California, to the little Spanish church. I don't even speak Spanish. And I remember, uh, you know, just the the uh, the journey to to get to the church mm -hmm. she's speeding her hair's flying and um and but who else is in the car the demon mm. the demon's in that car and he says any minute you're gonna stand before god and when you stand before god he's gonna see all your filth all your perversion every dirty thing that you've ever done in darkness is going to be exposed naked before god and all of a sudden a blanket of shame because see what i didn't understand in that car was god already seen it all mm -hmm. god already seen all my filth and my perversion and he was still calling me mm. but i didn't know that and so I thought, I don't want nobody to see this, not even God. Mm. And this blanket of shame fell on me, and I was so embarrassed, so ashamed. The demon says, open the door, jump out, kill yourself, save yourself from God. And we're flying down the freeway. She's speeding, trying to get me to the mm. church before I change my mind. She's on a mission. And, and, and I, remember, I remember putting my hand on the car door to jump out on the freeway, and, um, and I blacked out. The next thing I remember, we're, we're, we're sitting in their church parking lot, and they're opening my door. And, and, I'm, and I'm still welling. I'm still crying. I can't control myself. And you know struggling to breathe and, mm -hmm. and we walked into the church and i disrupted the whole church you know when, when i went to the church that first that first time i didn't know what a pastor was i didn't know what an altar was i didn't know what a service was i didn't know what none of that was it didn't exist to me in my world mm. and, and we went in there and and uh i went to the altar i went to the altar and i got on my knees and i began to plead with god god i'm so sorry mm. i'm so sorry god i don't want to live like this anymore come on i don't want to live like this anymore god i said god if there's nothing you can do if there's nothing you could do, let me die right here. I don't want to do this anymore, God. I begin to plead with him, God. I don't want to do this no more. And all the church got up and they begin to lay hands on me. They begin to pray for me in Spanish and tongues. I don't even know what they're saying. And the Lord showed me a vision in my mind. As that I was, I was, as I was at that altar, a light appeared. Hmm. That light being Jesus. And all of a sudden, he began to wrap himself around me. He began to wrap himself around me. And, and two things went through my mind as I saw that light wrap himself around me, but the first thing was he's not ashamed of me. Mm. I always thought I was too filthy. I always thought I was too dirty. I always thought that I was unlovable to God. God would never love me. He would not even look at me. I always felt ashamed. And, and here he is, he's wrapping himself around me. I said, he's not ashamed of me. The second thing that went through my mind as he was holding me on purpose, like gripping me, pulling me in, knowing who I was and everything about me, I, all my filth, he was so white, he was so pure, he was so holy in this vision. And he was holding me, intentionally pulling me in and all my filth and all my perversion was transferring off me and onto him. And I said to myself, I said, he's not even concerned how dirty he's getting touching me. Mm. And when I stood up on the altar, my mind was clear. Wow, come on. 18 years of drug addiction was gone. Come on now. Demon possession was gone. Come Gave on. me the strength and the desire to walk away from a homosexual lifestyle. That was 18 years ago. And the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That's the right. old is past, the new has come. I'm telling you that, that I didn't know the scripture that day, but I know that scripture today. And, 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 but that day, March 27, 2005, on that Resurrection Sunday, I, I became a new creation. Mm, amen, and the amen. transformation was so extreme, brother, that I was a complete stranger to myself.
I was a complete stranger to myself. I walked outside the church that day and I had a conversation with God. I said, God, I don't know how to live a life without sticking the needle on my neck. Mm. I don't know how to live a life, God, without chasing men. They're never going to love me. How can I stand here and tell you I love you, God? I don't even know how to love myself. And that day, God wrapped his arms around me. And, and, and he became my healer, my deliverer, my restorer. He took every piece of my broken heart and he put it back together. He gave me purpose and reason, a reason to live, and he gave me a reason to die. Mm. And he's my everything. And, and, and just like he told the disciples, follow me. And they just walked away from everything to follow Jesus. Mm, wow. Man. Ooh, come on, somebody. <laughs> the power of Jesus. God. That's, man. It's, it's the love of God, man. It, it's, it, it, it's, that's, that's, uh, that's a real encounter. Mm -hmm. I tell people a real encounter will, will shift and change everything about you. Mm -hmm. you. You won't look the same. You won't love the same. You won't respond the same. You be just like Jesus, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, and I mean, we hear all these things. We see all these words thrown out lightly, revival, and, and mm -hmm. I'm, oh, I'm sold out for Christ, and all this stuff. And I'm like, you look more like the world than you do Jesus. Nothing's that changed about you. You're living that same life. You just threw Jesus on it and call it Christianity, but you're still the same person. Mm -hmm. Just put but a Christian you, shirt but on. When, huh? But when you meet Jesus, the man Legion, he had an encounter. Mm -hmm. Saul, he had an encounter with Jesus. Became Paul. Something shifts. Everything about you breaks. On, There's man. a stirring within you. He causes your mind to change, your heart to change. Everything about you become a new creation. Mm -hmm. And that day I became a child of God. Mm. And that day I, I, I had an identity and my identity became mm. in Christ. Amen. You see, before I didn't know who I was. Yeah, yeah. But I know who I am today. Come it's on, all somebody. because I had an encounter with Jesus Christ on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about church. I'm not somebody who came and laid the hands on me. Mm -hmm. I had an encounter on the side of the road. There was nobody there. It was just me mm -hmm. and Jesus. Yeah, you know what? I want to. I want to. I, I want to kind of touch on that real quick because it's. Um, we look at those. We look at like I look at that story, right? At your testimony, and um, that person, that lady that that got that pulled mm -hmm. over, she was in an evangelist. She was in a pastor's mm -hmm. wife. You know, she wasn't a prophet. She wasn't a missionary. Right. You know, she wasn't a teacher. Mm -mm. You know, but she was willing. Right. And she Amen. was obedient. Amen. You know, and a lot of times, you know, even us as Christians, you know, from 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 evangelist to evangelist, mm -hmm. I could I could see um, that a lot of people limit themselves right. to telling somebody about God simply because they don't care a title. Yeah. When yeah. you know, not having a title, mm -hmm. Amen. It's, it's, uh, it's not the reason why not right. being obedient, you yeah. know. You do have a title, right. and it's the son of yeah. God. You know, you have child the son of God. God. You're a child of God. Yeah. You're yeah. a daughter of the Most High. Yeah. You're a soldier. Right. You're an ambassador. Yeah. You're a Amen. soldier. You know Amen. what I'm saying? We're we all called to, to yes. witness. We're all called yes. to minister. Right. You know Amen. what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, that, you know, praise God for her, right. you know. Because even though she wasn't the one that yeah. watered the seed, right. she planted yeah. that seed. Planted you know, seed. and as the Bible says, there's some plant, yeah. some, some water, but it increase. is I yeah. that brings the increase. Yeah. Amen. Wow, uh, evangelist Eli, come on, man. <laughs> it's, been, it's been powerful so far. Amen. So now my next question is okay. this. Um, when did you know you were called to be an evangelist? Like, when, when did God confirm it? Like, um, you know, because it could be a pastor. Right. You know, it could be anything else, but... When did God made it perfect clear you're called to be an evangelist? You know, I remember uh, I worked. I used to work on a ranch with animals, and I used to have to feed the sheep all the time. Mm. And um, I remember, uh, I remember, you know, getting the hay ready to go take it out to the pasture to feed the sheep. And and the Lord showed me in a vision that I was in the center of the pasture, and as I was in the center of the pasture, all the sheep that was in the field was 
in a circle sitting on the on its hind legs, which sheep don't sit like that. They just lay down. But they were sitting at attention and they, uh, in a circle, and I was in the center. And he said, feed my sheep. Mm. And so I thought, okay, you know, I know that he told Jesus, do you love me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I started to put the things together. Then about a week later, you know, one of the, the rams died, and I have to bury it on the field. And so when you bury it, you have to dig a hole to your chest. That way the animals won't smell it and come try to dig it up. And so I'm digging this hole to put the, the ram in there. And um, as I'm digging, and this is really happening now. So when I was digging, you know, I look up and, and I'm in a hole like to my chest. And I look up and all the sheep are standing in a circle, just like in that vision. Mm. And, and God says, feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. And so he showed me in a vision, you know, he spoke to me in a vision, said, feed my sheep. And then in the reality, I was digging that hole to bury that, that ram. And all the sheep were standing in the same position, just in the vision. And God said, feed my sheep. And so that's when I really knew that God was calling me, not just to be a Christian, not just to attend church, but to feed the sheep, mm. speak and preach the gospel. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing because uh, before God gives you a calling, He gives mm. you a burden. Yeah. And He, and he put that burden yes. inside of your life. Amen. Yes. Wow. So now, um, what's been kind of like the biggest uh, maybe obstacle that mm-hmm. you have experienced in evangelism? Because every, right. every calling comes with His 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 yeah. great things but yeah. then it also comes with that wall with yeah. those walls well there's there's several obstacles that there's several obstacles that that i've had to journey through um one of them being you know i do have a heart for people and you know i believe that the lord gave me this testimony as a weapon as an instrument to reach the people not just the unsaved but the church because mm-hmm. we all know that not everybody in church is, is perfect and mm-hmm. not every there there's True. all kinds of craziness going on mm-hmm. but the, so i believe the lord gave me this testimony and so i've offered myself you know i told people you know what I said, uh, can I give my testimony at your church? I said, you don't have to give me an offering. You don't have to pay my way. You don't have to buy my ticket. I'll get myself there. I just want the opportunity to preach to God or to share what Jesus Christ mm-hmm. has done. Mm-hmm. And, and I have been ignored. Wow. I've been ignored. I mean, in my testimony, I talk about homosexuality. I talk about drug addiction, demon possession. I talk about, you know, the whole child molestation. I talk mm-hmm. about all these things, but I also talk about an encounter with Jesus Christ that changed and transformed my life. That's the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel. But I've been rejected. I've been rejected. And so that's kind of one of the obstacles that, that I've dealt with being uh, uh, an evangelist. And so that's why you see me on the street. And, and maybe it's not an obstacle. Maybe it's God said, no, I'm trying to push you in a different direction. Mm. You know, and, and, and so I'm on the street a lot. And, and you know, and I just, you know, just a lot of different things um, that I've struggled with, uh, you know, as an evangelist. Yeah. One of them is you've got to count the cost. Mm-hmm. You got to count the cost. Yeah. So I'm not attracted to men. I mean, I'm, I'm not attracted to women. And, you know, I tell people all the time, if temptation comes, it comes in the form of a man. But they say, well, if you're tempted with a man, how can you be 18 years without sleeping with one? I said, because my love for God has become greater than the love for this mm-hmm. flesh. And people might think that's weird, but, you know, you're thinking I'm weird, but you're tempted with something too. Mm-hmm. Jesus was tempted, but it's what you do with that temptation. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, loneliness is another trigger. You know, mm-hmm. it's not sleeping with men, but just being lonely. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. will I ever have a wife? Will I ever be married? And and I've come to the conclusion that, that I said, Lord, I'm married to the gospel. Mm. I'm married. I've, I've counted the cost. And I'm I'm just everything that, that, that the world has, Lord, I'm just walking away mm-hmm. from it. I'm married to you. Mm. You're my husband. And whatever you want me to do, God, I'm, I'm willing to do it. It's almost like that scripture where Paul says, you know, you know, um, it's better to not be married yeah. so that you could give yeah. your life completely life. to the gospel. You know, and, you'll find greater fulfillment And there. so people ask me all the time, you know, brother, we're gonna, can we pray that, that God brings you up? I said, no. And, and, and they, my whole 18 years being saved, could just pray for a wife, just pray for a wife? I'm like, no. And they say, why? I said, honestly, the reason why I don't want to pray for a wife is because 
in all honesty is I can't see myself giving any part of my heart to anybody else except mm. Christ except Christ wow I, I don't feel like anybody else deserves it mm -hmm. but but saying that is meaning that by giving my whole heart to Christ means that I'm giving myself to his people as a servant mm -hmm. you know so funny you were talking about titles earlier and mm -hmm. and people want all these different titles and positions and and what did Jesus do he walked away from every title to become nothing to die on a cross for every one of us mm. and so you know I just want to be a servant yeah, yeah you know, I'm yeah. not really into to, to titles and positions mm -hmm. and you know, doesn't make mm -hmm. anything to yeah me. not just that but your life also speaks volumes as far as how your whole life you know that you, you battle you went through so many yeah. things your whole life that it's kind of now it's like there's an urgency yeah. like, i don't got time for these yeah. things yeah i don't got time to play games i don't got right. time you know you know uh, like even like for a wife yeah and even though those are good things right but it's like um Everybody's you know, called to yeah. something. And it's like, and it's, the Bible says it, that, you know, celibacy is a gift, mm, you know. Yeah. You, you have the gift right. in you, you know. So um, that's, that's that's powerful, man. That, that's powerful because, you know, it, it honestly, it it honestly, you know, speaks volume of, you know, somebody that's devoted yeah. of winning souls. Counting the cost. Amen. Again, you know, uh, right there at home, we have a prayer lineup, you know, for you to call in. You know, we have a prayer ministry, uh, you know, people answering phone calls at this moment. Um, you probably know somebody, amen, somebody that's been through the same things as Brother Eli. And even if right now, you know, even if you're feeling that's the calling of God as well upon your life, you know, and you need somebody to talk to, you can call that phone line, amen. Wow, what an amazing testimony he's amen. been. Uh, so I have, a, I have two more questions okay. for you, Brother Eli. You know, so um, if... um. If you could go back in time, you know, hypothetically speaking, mm -hmm. and you could say something to, to um, if you could if you could give advice, you know, uh, to third year, uh, you know, three year old you, uh, thirteen year old you, mm -hmm. sixteen year old you, nineteen year old you, um, if you could pick any age, you know, and you could give that person a piece of advice, what would you say? You know, I, I've asked myself that, or people have asked me that question before, and, and you know, in all honesty is, uh, I wouldn't change anything. Mm. I wouldn't change anything, you know, that I, I would, because it's it made me the person that I am today. You know, I had to lose every, absolutely everything to recognize who he really is, you know, and so it's because I, li I, I, I look at it like this, I don't want to do it again. Like, I would not want to go back in time to, to live that life again. But I look at it like this, it's a gift. Mm. It's a gift because he gave me the ability to understand. Mm -hmm. He gave me the ability to, 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 to know where people are at, you know, and, and to, to love people even when they're unlovable and to know the mindsets. And, and when I see people, you know, I, I understand how they got to that journey, mm -hmm. you know. And so it's, it's, it's a gift it's a, that, he, that I'm able to use, you know, by living that life. You know, if I had never lived a life of a homosexual, if I had never lived a life of a drug addict, never been homeless, how can I understand what you're talking mm. about? You know, wow. and, and so I wouldn't change nothing. I wouldn't want to do it again, mm -hmm. but but I wouldn't change nothing. It's mm -hmm. it, every single thing that I went through and encountered. Mm -hmm. It's what made me who I am today. And you know, again, I had to lose everything to see that mm -hmm. he's everything. Wow, it made you because who you know you what are. God and what all the drug lords that I used to deal with. What they saw was uh, was you know what God, what Jesus did for me. Money can't buy, mm. drugs can buy. You know, and, and there was many people, drug lords that I, they tried to fix me, but they couldn't fix me. And but one encounter with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. See, God will do something money can't buy, mm -hmm. and, and doctors can't fix. 
you know, drugs can't, it's only God. Mm -hmm. And so for that purpose, you know, it had to be what it was. I wouldn't change nothing because those people see me and they say, when I look at you, you know, you make it impossible for me to say that God exists, that mm -hmm. God doesn't exist. You know, so it, it served its purpose. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change nothing. Wow. And that's heavy. That's heavy, man. That's uh, it's powerful, too, because it's true. You mm -hmm. know, if, you know, if uh, we would change anything, you know, it's like uh, we wouldn't have all those decisions. And all those things yeah. made us who we are today. It's because you know there's a, a, two drug drug lords that I knew. One of them, uh, one of them, he used to say to to me in front of people, "When God made you, He wasted flesh." Mm. He would always say that to me in front of everybody, and um, and that's the person that today he says every time I look at you, you make it impossible for me to say God exists. Mm. Another drug lord, murderer, you know, killer, living that life. He says, he says, when God wanted to make an example, he chose the right person. Mm, come on. Because all they, they just got to see it because they look at me and they know you didn't do that on your own. Mm -hmm. you, all the, the ability and strength that I had in me, all I had, it was able to do was to destroy the life that God gave mm. me. But God came back and it says that he comes to heal the brokenhearted. That's right. And to bind up their wounds. And, and, and my life is a, a testimony of the power of God to transform a life. Amen. And I'm not saying that in a boastful way. Mm -hmm. I'm not boasting on me. I'm boasting on him because oh, without, right. without him, I, I'm, yeah. I'm out there in the street doing that. Yeah, yeah, facts. It's true. Wow. Man, so now, you know, you did mention that, um, you know, uh, you know, your sister, you know, you and, you know, and your family. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to describe your legacy, um, something you want to be remembered as in three words, what would those words be? A man that loved Jesus. Mm. That's it. Brother, I don't want much mm. from this world. I don't want much from this world. I, I, I just want people to know that there is a God in heaven that loves us. Mm -hmm. and, and when I die, I just want them to say, that was a man that loved Jesus. Mm. You know, the Bible talks about when the disciples were around, they were recognized as people that sat with God. Mm -hmm. I want to be recognized as a person that says, not because they're looking at me, but look at my God. Mm. Look at the God that was able to change and transform my life. Mm -hmm. I was already in the grave trying to close the top, throw the dirt. But God rose that man from the dead, mm -hmm. gave me purpose and reason. The only reason why I'm sitting here today is for his glory. He says, I called you out of darkness to be a witness to my glory. Mm. It's not about me, it's about him. And when people look at me, I want them to see Jesus. I, I love John the Baptist because everything his life was about was consistent. Mm -hmm. There's one coming behind me whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. Mm. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with fire. Mm -hmm. John's whole life, it, it, it was a it was a, a, an arrow pointing to Jesus, mm -hmm. the one that's coming. And when people see me, I don't want them to see me. I want them to see Jesus. Mm -hmm. Just a voice I'm in invisible. the wilderness. I'm a voice in the wilderness. Prepare right. the way of the Lord. I'm wow. invisible. Wow. Man. Um, so now with that, with that being said, will you say that those words, would that be the words you wanted to be reading in your gravestone? A man that loved Jesus. A man that loved Jesus. Wow, uh, that's, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, um, you know, uh, I believe right now, Amen, that souls are being touched. I believe that even uh, right now, people are watching this. They're they're being ministered to. So, um, I want I want I want to be able for for you to address you mm -hmm. know the audience and just pray for them. You know, lead them to a sinner's prayer. Amen. You know, before we close, um, you know, uh. I, I, we know that, you know, uh, you know, this is during Halloween mm -hmm. and all these things are going on. Amen. You know, and we know that God called us to be lights, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, platforms yeah. here, brother Eli. Absolutely. 
So I just want to let anybody out there, you know, you've been raped, abused, rejected, unloved, you know, your parents didn't watch you. You know, every man walks away from you. Every woman walks away from you. You know, you're just struggling in life, your value, your worth. I want you to know tonight, today, as you're watching this, that there is a God in heaven that loves you. It says that he formed you in your mother's womb, counted every hair, caught every tear. It says that, that the thoughts that he has for you outnumbers the sand. That means he's mindful of you. You're always on his mind. You're the apple of his eye. He says, I'll never forget you because I carved your name in the palm of my hand. I want you to know that there is a God in heaven. And his name is Jesus. And he was the king of kings and he was the Lord of lords. Mm -hmm. And he walks away from his throne. He walks away from his kingdom. He walked out of eternity, stepped in time and wrapped himself in flesh and became a man. And for one purpose, to die a horrible death. The Bible says they whipped him and beat him until he was unrecognizable. He was unrecognizable. Then they nailed him to the cross where he struggled to breathe. Organs became heavy, nailed to that cross, watching the disciples scattered, his mom's heart breaking as she's watching her son die. Nothing she could do to help him. Watching the guards that nailed him to that cross. And he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Mm. Why have you forsaken me? Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died while I was shooting dope, sleeping with men, worshiping the devil, sleeping with demons, that Christ died on the cross. While I wanted mm. to see him burning on that cross, that he died on that cross for me. And I believe that day on the cross, when Jesus was nailed and struggling to breathe, he experienced a lot of things, excruciating pain, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Why do I say spiritually? Because when he took my sins, when he took my sins, he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? And if you read the Bible, if you haven't, let me tell you this today. That was the first time ever in eternity that Jesus experienced separation from his father mm. because he took my sins, the sins of a dirty man, a filthy man. Come on. He took my sins and he took your sins and you're valuable. He didn't have to do it. He could have blinked. He could have breathed. And he could have said, you know what? They ain't worth it. And just went on about being king. But he left everything. He left the kingdom. He left the throne. He, they were, the angels were worshiping him, praising him. He was in his rightful place, sitting next to fire. He left everything to die on a cross for you. That's how valuable you are. You're valuable. You're priceless. You're one of a kind. You can never be replaced. He loves you. Mm. He loves you. And maybe you're watching this and you're contemplating suicide, drug addicted, demon possessed. You know, you're, you don't know who you are. You're, you're, you're messed up in your identity. And you're looking for hope. And I'm telling you tonight, his name is Jesus. Mm. His name is Jesus. Call out to Jesus while he can be found. If it was a lie, I wouldn't be sitting here. There's a God in heaven that loves you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. Cry out to Jesus. Amen. Right there where you're at, man. We just want to pray for you real quick. You know, um, you know, uh, we we have the uh, the prayer number um, right here on the screen, so so you can call. Amen. We want to pray for you. Uh, it is amazing how the Bible says that, uh, you know, his 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 arm, man, is not short enough to save anybody. Like he he'll reach down to the darkest of the places to save a soul. That's 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 the type of God we serve. So right there, we every head bowing, every closing, man. We just want to pray for you, Father God. We come before you right now, God, and we pray, Lord God, that Lord that this message, Lord God, Lord God, will begin to be. Not just felt, but begin to be internalized, Lord God. Lord God, we pray right now, Lord God, that your gospel begin to do what the gospel does. And it's to shake people up. It's to transform people's hearts. It's to bring healing, Father God, to families, God. If there's somebody out there that's ready to commit suicide, if there's a Christian out there that maybe he was abused, she was abused, maybe they're experiencing spiritual attacks, maybe they find themselves right now 
being oppressed by, de by demonic activity. We come against that in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over their lives. We plead the blood of Jesus over your life. And we pray right now in the name of Jesus that those chains will be broken, that, that prisoners will be set free, amen, that generational curses, amen, will be, will be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Yes. We pray right now that the Holy Spirit will go before us, will visit you in every home, will visit you right there where you are watching, amen, and will begin to bring healing and transformation upon your life. Father God, we come before you right now, Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will go out, Lord God. We pray, Father God Almighty, for anybody, God, that's out there, Lord God, and have struggled and dealt with these things, Lord God. We pray that your Holy Spirit will minister and bring them change, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Man, what a powerful testimony, amen. It was great having you, Amen. Evangelist Eli. Amen. Thank you for you having know. me. All right, we're wrapping up another episode of our Mudville cast. This is our podcast, and we're right here downtown in Stockton at the Huddle Studios right now. We just wrapped up another session, had a great testimony, great content, and I believe God is going to move and minister to the masses. So we need you guys to please like, comment, subscribe, share this video. If you know somebody out there that needs to hear the gospel, if you know someone out there that's in need, that is hurting, this is what we're doing this podcast for you guys. This is our Mudville Cash. It's your boy Beans. I'm signing out. I'll see you guys on the next one. Peace and God bless. I was dying, but he brought me to life. Found life when he told me to die. I couldn't hear over the noise of my pride. I couldn't see till he put mud in my eyes. The devil couldn't work in my city. That's why they need God's word in my city.